Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right. Thanks for stopping by once again at the Exit Your Way Faces of Business. Today, this is the first time I've seen the intro, and it was pretty good. I like it. You like it, huh? Yeah. I, get the, I don't have the overlay done yet, but we'll get that one done. The but, face the, uh, but, but the intro, yeah. Yeah, we made that list last week and got that going. But thanks, everyone, for stopping by. We're getting ready here to talk a little bit about selling an e-commerce business. Something that we we do an awful lot is, you know, working in the e-commerce industry like we are. It's um, people wonder. People wonder what's going on. They wonder, you know, what it's like to sell an e-commerce business, how it's different from selling another business. A lot of different things uh, when we when we talk to people. So what we're going to do is Andrew and I are going to run through some of the some of the things that that we run into when we're talking about an e-commerce business, what is an e-commerce business, first of all, in our eyes, uh, and then down through the different things that that we've dealt with when we when we try to sell them. So, um, Andrew Cross, how are you doing today? I'm well. I'm well. Good, it's good, good to be here. Yeah, 2021, here we go. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. Seems like yeah. it's hitting the ground running, that's for sure. <laughs> interesting times that's for sure yeah yeah but, yeah that's uh, for sure but business goes on businesses you know, get built get sold uh so that's not going away um some great opportunities yeah i noticed um uh, in the new relief package in the sba the, there's new incentives for lending to buy a business if yeah. people aren't aware of that and have uh, been thinking about getting into or buying a business uh um, yeah, there's some great incentives picking up uh, your first six months payments. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know how uh, if you're if you're going to have a successful transition or transaction in a business. Uh, if you get through the first the first six months are critical. So that kind of help. Yeah, uh, is really something um, and, uh, and and a reduction in the fees. So, yeah, um, yeah talk to your local bank about that um, if you're. If you're an individual and you think you can buy a business or are looking to do that, uh, SBA lending, it's, um, yeah, it, it can, it can, uh, it can be quite a difference, but. Yeah, that's for sure. It, and, and I saw that too, and we had talked about it, but, uh, if people that are on there listening about buying thinking about buying a business, go ahead and drop your comments into LinkedIn, um, hmm. or on Facebook or wherever you're at listening to this or just reach out to us directly and we can get them answered for you. But yeah, the, the a lot of buyers don't, and when we're not going to go down buying a business too far, but a lot of buyers don't understand that the SBA lends to buy a business. And, and that's, it seems like we, we are, we're helping people a lot with that, but they'll lend up to $5 million to buy a business. Um, and what, what's the, a buyer of a business has to put how much down in that? In that situation 10 percent a well-qualified buyer um and and you know uh, as little as 10 percent okay uh, you know so i mean that's something to really think about because um you know if you have um you know a uh, hundred thousand dollars uh to buy a business you could buy a, a business for a hundred thousand dollars or you could buy a business for a million dollars and yeah um, you get a lot more for your money on that leverage and then let the business pay back the debt um, make it, yeah. make it work for you, um, yeah. over time. So, um, anyways, great resource. Use your banks if you can do it. Um, these are, that's for, for small deals. They're really lined up to help, um, on the smaller deals. They're really geared up to yeah. really help you succeed. Yeah. Um, and the government's it's, it's good for everybody. That's where jobs come from. That's where innovation comes from the small business engine and, there's a lot of people coming up now that have to transition out of their companies. But anyways, yeah. we yeah. we were here to talk about e-commerce today. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're talking about selling an e-commerce business. And really, I mean, this is all relevant in it, too, is you, you need to understand your buyers. And we're going to talk a little bit about the buyers later and what they're looking for and, and throughout, because 
honestly, when you're getting ready to sell a business, I think when what we see is people aren't ready. They just aren't, they haven't thought about who is going to buy their business. And, and really that that's critical in, in the sale of the business or if you're going to be able to sell the business. So when, when we look at businesses, Andrew, and we talk about the owner, now, what should that owner be doing if first in the business and and how much should they be? What should their role be in that business, you know, in the year before they sell or when they're getting ready to sell? And should they have that's I'm trying to you know what I'm trying to say about how much owner involvement is in the business. There you go. I'm sure. to I mean, if you look at it um, from a value perspective um, and, and the value of companies, um, uh valuations are done too and, and and you know the buyers that's what they're doing you know and they all have different ways of valuing business and then there's professional people who evaluate businesses um you know but the people who are running the business is a is a key component a key factor your management team and typically in these smaller deals um the owner is, is generally an operator of the business is in is integral uh, and critical to the success of the business um so you know there's the conundrum you're going to sell the business, um, but it, it, it relies on you and has done for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Uh, you started it. You handle all the sales accounts, everything, critical decisions made by you. Um, you hire and fire, um, you, you know, it all rests on, uh, it, you know, the buck stops here as it does at the leadership desk. But what value is there to a buyer if you're not there uh, to run the company anymore? And then and it also presents a huge risk. Uh, to a buyer. So, yeah, you know, um, they got to look at it, um, you know, like, you know, uh, you want to think about your business in a different way um, and, and and create a business that 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 creates value for you um, with professional management, you know, with delegation without you necessarily. If you if you can't leave your business for, you know, and go on a two week vacation without having to check in every day. Um, you're gonna have a problem selling your company. Yeah, you know yeah. it's kind of a watermark test. You know, so um, create a business that you can do that. You know, have the right people there that you can rely on that are running the business, so that you can go and if you can actually literally disappear on an island for two weeks and not have to check in and you don't worry about it because uh, you know it's in good hands and the people are doing you know executing the plan. They have the right people in the right seats. And you come home, um, uh, you know, that's the kind of business that's value. That's what value, yeah. you know, that's a, what's going to get a business sold and B, um, you know, what's going to get you, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions more, uh, than, than what you're currently looking at. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what I was trying to let, let people understand that, you know, when you're in that business and you're building that business and it's, you know, it might be a three, four five or more million dollar business. And if you're still integral to that business, that buyer is looking at like, what am I gonna, what, how, how incentivized or how much can we really count on that to be able to transfer forward with the business? If, if I just paid that owner a bunch of money and, and they're either walking away to part time or they're gonna even stay and work with the business. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's, um... It, it's a it's a jump and a leap to take a business that provides you um, with an income to a business that it, you treat as an investment that is increasing in value um, yeah, every day. And, you know, uh, you know, this is why you look at publicly traded companies, you buy stock in a company um, They're you know, um, they're compelled by law. You know, if the if the CEO is fired or leaves. Um, they have to disclose that to you as the investor. Uh, and why is that? Because that's critical. You know, you, you lose the head. Um, and, you know, we can, you know, there's examples of that all over the map. Um, uh, or the founders out, you know, Apple went through all those transitions. It's no different at your yeah. level as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's where when we're, when we're working with clients and advising them on selling their business, we're, sometimes it takes us six months or more for them to get, themselves out of the business enough so like you said they can go on a two week two week vacation and maybe get a report here or there if they need to just see how the business is running but 
they, if they can't do that and can't, you know, check in every few days or, or, or maybe even at best every week, that would really be the best. Um, they're probably, it's probably going to degrade their value a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's part of what exit your way is all about too, is, um, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're putting, your, you're building a company and if you're there, you're there. If you're not, we'll, you know, we actually, you know, we'll go in and help you get there. Um, but you, you've got to be able to let go, let go of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when it's a, um, yeah. and if you can't, you can't, cause I mean, for, it's human nature and, and you built a company and, and some people have to have control. Um, and it doesn't mean you can't sell your company from that, but you're very limited. Um, you're going to need, the buyers and you kind of understand from their perspective, they're going to have to be very, very comfortable you know, coming in and you exit and they can take over and, and drive that thing. So that means you're limited to buyers that are in your industry or really know their stuff. Um, you know, uh, whereas if you, if you have a company that runs itself like an investment um, that has a good strong management team in place, um, that everybody understands what's going on. The buyers can come in and see that and feel you, you open your world to, many, many more buyers because um, there are buyers who buy as investors. They don't necessarily get into yeah. manufacturing because they've been in manufacturing, you know, um, or have any experience at all. You know, they might yeah. have a finance background or technology or, or something else. Um, uh, yeah. That doesn't mean you can't own and operate uh, a business or, or head up a company that way. So uh, I'm not sure. That's right. If, if, if they have it, a, it's really called marketability. Yeah, you know, there you go. business is more marketable when it's set up that way as it is if you're really tied to the business. Yeah. And if you're really tied to it, uh, let's be honest, you're not going to sell it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really difficult or, you know, um, you, you, you get down to just really um, closing down or selling off assets. Right. So yeah. uh, a really good example is uh, professional firms, uh, uh, medical practices, dental practices are great. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all goodwill. All the sales come from your, you know, I go to you, you're my dentist. I'm, I'm comfortable with you looking in my mouth. I don't know who this new guy is. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you may have a very successful practice, um, but you know, when you transition and a new dentist shows up, um, you're going to lose that, uh, you know, a good portion. The question is how much, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. but there are ways, you know, techniques to use, um, uh, in those kind of, to, to transfer those companies and mi mitigate that. Uh, but it takes time. Those are just harder deals to accomplish. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You know, um, usually you get paid, um, because you know, the owner, then the, the, the you know, has to, stay on after for a, a, a much yeah. longer time than typically would be required to transition to, to the. Yeah. That's the other thing too, is if you're, if you're a, a lot of times in a, in, in deals, the owners are expected to stay for a little while, but if you're really part of the business and you are, are lucky enough to get it sold, you may have to stay for a year or more in a, in a position of some sort, if you don't have it set up right. And if that's your, your, goal that's that's something to do but a lot of people they want to be rid of that to be able to move on to something else yeah and well, we have to understand too that uh, there are buyers who are buying that you know you may not necessarily we're talking sort of talking about folks who are exiting um, this is true you know, you know we're assuming they're at the end of the road you know it's time to retire they're in their 60s um they've done what they're going to do and they want to go live the rest of their lives um that's you know that's a good number of sales are like that's why people are selling right now. A good number. Yeah. That's, that's reality. Um, but that's going to slow down eventually. I mean, but in the time being, it's an aging population. Baby boomers are are heading to the exits, and but there's still you know there are investors or buyers who want to buy companies. You can be in your mid 30s, and and you can bring in a buyer who invests in the company, but they're investing in you too. They they don't yeah. you don't intend for you to exit. They just want to help capitalize you and the growth of your business. So. But it's still a transaction. It doesn't sound like a sale, but the minute you take other people's money, it is a sale. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, it, and it's and it's definitely in 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 either situation, you're going to be working with the with the buyer of the business for a period of time after the sale. There's very few times when you're you're done and boom, it's it's all over and you walk away. And and in most cases, there's at least some seller financing that's included in the in the sale of a business. So you're going to at least, 
you know, be getting financial reports and hopefully getting money from them uh, to get paid that paid back. Well, yeah, I mean, in some cases, they're going to want you to be contractually bound to stay with that company. Again, you know, they're relying on you. But um, uh, that that that's a, you know, a difficult path for a seller. Um, and there's a lot of roadkill in this yeah. scenario. You, you a lot. I mean, I, I think every owner's heard of so and so did that. And it, it, it can be a really bad deal, you know, because you're again, it's a big risk because you are you're used to being a boss. And yeah. when, you know, when you turn over, you know, a good equity in your company to investors, you're not the boss anymore. Um, yeah. And some people cannot adjust to that. Um, yeah, it's true so, because there are different demands when you do that. Absolutely. Um, there are different and demands. They're going to want to run the company differently. That kind of thing proceeds with caution, you know, yeah. or, or capitalizing, but you know, you're going, you're a partnership in that scenario and, and, you know, um, evaluate that carefully. Um, they may be financial partners and there's, there's plenty of good stories about that too. And it works. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's several I know of currently that are doing it, you know, some, some good private equity backed expansion plays where somebody has got a good business. They're at the right point in their career. Yep. If, if they could acquire a couple companies to, to increase quickly, that's a great way. The equity people love that type of investment. And mm -hmm. and you know buy some in the existing company and then buy two or three or four or five or ten more, yeah, and and build it up because they get an increase in value when they do that and and when you come back to the e-commerce, I think that happens an awful lot in there because people start to buy up similar products like you could be in a you could be selling the specialty pet products like we've dealt with that before. And, and, you know, you find someone that's making leashes, that's now making dog bowls, that's now making, you know, whatever, dog sweaters, you know, custom dog sweaters. It's just, and, and you put these together because it's really, most of the time, it's not that hard um, unless you've got big manufacturing operations that, that are tied behind them or something. But a lot of people are doing that just to, to be able to aggregate revenue. Mm -hmm. and, and selling power, you know, through a website or multiple websites. And, and, you know, cause if I'm selling pet products and I'm selling leashes on one mm -hmm. website and I can add, now I can add uh, dog bowls and dog sweaters on that same one, you know, you're going to sell some on there and yeah. vice versa on the other websites. And there's, there's some good synergies there for people looking to acquire revenue rather than grow revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Acquisition strategy, you know, obviously big companies do that and there's no reason smaller companies can't either. But yeah, e-commerce e is is interesting. Uh, you know, we've been working in it now for the past, you know, um, five years. Um, yeah. uh, you know, it's some of it's a mystery because, you know, here's the thing, you know, I went to, you know, the, some of the clients that and they were ready to exit their, their e-commerce companies and I went to, you know, do a deal. It's a deal, a deal. How do you sell an e-commerce company? It, it, it's no different than selling any other kind of company. So I went there to look at, you know, um, you know, uh, I dug in to find out, you know, where, where are, what's the market like for e-commerce companies? So I found out there really, there is no e-commerce industry, right? So we, I can look up a machine shop. Um, I can look up uh, a retail location. I can look up restaurants and, 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 you know, they're all identified. They've got, you know, uh, uh, they've got identifiers, NAICS codes. There is no NAICS code for, for e-commerce, you can look That's it up. I mean, if, you, if you're just looking at you know a government category for a type of yeah. business, the, the, the closest one you can come to is catalog merchandisers. Yep, <laughs> that, that's the next code they throw on e-commerce. In a way, I mean, it's a catalog. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's online, but that's the, the nature of the business. But but I, I find that's interesting because everybody's talking. E-commerce is hot right now, and, and it was really interesting because we couldn't really know you know how do we value the the e-commerce companies aren't really, you know, what is the market? Um, you're right. You know, you've got mom and pop there selling a product. You've got big manufacturers with, you know, using e-commerce, um, you know, uh, but, you know, the e-commerce, you know, uh, guy selling aircraft parts is a completely different business than, than the mom and pop who are, who invented a product out of their garage and are selling it, yeah. um, you know, directly, right? Obviously, uh, the big players in e-commerce, uh, you know, Amazon has written the book um, uh, on how to do that. And they are an e-commerce company. 
Um, and, and, and if you peel that back amongst other things. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, their, their, their platform, they saw a lot of different things. But when you're looking at a company like we, we would be working with, you, you make a great point. Because if I'm a, a reseller of products, say I'm, I'm selling this, this mouse on my desk here and I'm reselling that thing. Well, what do I really have as a company? I have inventory maybe. And if I'm drop shipping, then it's, then it's not. Even I don't even have inventory at that point. I have a sales channel that's generating revenue. That's what I have. You can you can be in e-commerce and have no inventory. Exactly. You know, whatsoever. Um, so it's um, uh, it, it. I love the business. It's interesting because e-commerce is. Uh, it, it, it was really interesting for the companies we worked with to go look at who's out there. You know, who's in e-commerce, and you know, th there's a big. You know, if we look at it, um, you know, only two, they're two percent of all the revenue in e-commerce uh, worldwide is is in like three percent of the businesses. Then in yeah. between the middle-sized companies, there are hardly any, hardly yeah. any. And it, there's and everything else is under a million in revenue. So it's yeah. basically mom and pops selling solopreneurs, you know, doing stuff uh, through e-commerce. Um, <clears throat> and I don't, I think so. You know, you know, some people manage to scale it up. Um, and if they do, if they're getting over 30, 40 million in revenue, they're getting scooped up by the big companies. Um, so that to me, you know, just, I just see a lot of opportunity there Yeah, uh, because an e-commerce is, is a way to, um, you know, it's really, you know, what, at, you know, come at the heart of it, it's a way to go direct for, to your customer. Yeah. When you're selling a service, even if you're selling services or yeah. products or anything else, you're cutting out the middleman. Um, you I've expanded your sales channels all over the world, you know, so the art of e-commerce is really just it's it's um, really understanding those channels and, and managing them. Right. And it takes a lot of work. Uh, it takes a lot of work because there's a lot of noise in there and it's hard to get attention. And also, um, you know, as we discovered, too, um, you know, the fastest I mean, you can just you can go to Amazon and they'll give you a playbook on how to open a shop. Yes. And if you, can, if you can put the right products in there and if you can put enough of them in there and you can sell a few of them all, you're going to you're going to be just fine. If You know, depending on what your inventory situation or how you're doing that. Some people use drop ship vendors where you have no inventory. Some people have inventory. They'll sell on an FBA type platform where Amazon's, you know, handling the shipping and all that. Or they'll do it themselves out of their home until uh, you Fortunes know, are made, great businesses are built, and Amazon is the path of least resistance. You're going to get sales if you work with them um, yeah. and you want to put it together. And you don't have to be um, a tech guru to do this. No. You know, I mean, one of our clients that we work with, and he, he built up to a company that, you know, was a $20, 30000000 million company. Yeah. Uh, and he was a salesman. I mean, he sold products and um, he, he, he loved doing it. He loved bartering. He loved going out there. He loved the whole process of selling. He didn't know anything about tech and computers, yeah. but he just bought a book. He yeah. bought a book on how to sell, how to start an e-commerce business. And it's one of those, some people think, wow, that's kind of, you know, you see them advertised on TV, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, one of those kind of things. Oh, that's corny. I'd never do that. You know, you're not going to learn this. And he did, he just did it and he followed it in a disciplined approach and he built a $30 million company yeah. and made wealth. You're not going to learn this. I don't, you know, I mean, suppose you can maybe some schools you can go do your MBA and, and marketing and stuff like that. But I don't, you know, you know, if they're going to teach you how to sell, yeah. uh, but like I said, it, it, it's, you don't have to be, um, you know, uh, you, you don't have to have a computer science or engineering degree. To, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's really anymore. You, you brought this up earlier. And when you look at e-commerce as an industry, it's really not an industry. It's really a way to sell. And, and when you, and so, when you go in, if you like, if I'm looking to find e-commerce companies, you can't just go, I want to look at e-commerce companies because they're shoe companies, they're clothing companies, they're, you know, office supply companies, they're outdoor products companies, they're whatever they are. They're not, they're not going to say I'm an e-commerce company, like you said. And yeah. that's why when you come back to the valuation, you look yeah. at it and you go, the, the valuation of these companies is valued more like the underlying industry rather than the than it's e-commerce or a technology because they aren't valued like a technology company is. No, no, definitely not. Um, yeah, they are valued more like traditional companies. But, you know, one of the things I was going to say, though, but if you want to get started and 
and, and be in e-commerce and you can be in any kind of business to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, Amazon's a great, you know, people, uh, almost everybody starts it. I mean, you can't almost not be in business, especially if you're dealing in products or manufacturing and not do something with Amazon, um, you know, um, and you can grow fast, uh, you know, but what we found is the companies that are jumping from the mom and pop into starting to become a substantial business, you know, and I'm talking north of 30 million in revenue, um, in order to break that ceiling out of that, you have to develop your own channels direct yeah. to the customer. And that was the constant fight. That was what was cool about it. And things change really, really fast in this business. Um, but, you know, when we when we go to market with e-commerce companies for sale, too, a lot of the buyers aren't don't know what they're looking at, you know, and that affects the value, too. There's a lot of fear there, too, because there's a lot of unknown. This hasn't been going on that long. And things are changing very fast um, and you can make tons and tons of they're attracted to that you can make tons and tons of money if you can jump on the uh, you know the opportunity yeah. and work those channels and learn how to do it but um you know uh but a lot of these guys aren't you know especially for investor buyers or investment bankers you scan put yourself in their seat see what they're looking at ah, okay yeah making you know you, if you do direct the customer and build your own you can make, you know, you know, 50% margin, you know, it's way more than a retailer and, you know, and Amazon's expensive to use them. Yeah, so they're yeah. cut out of it, you know, so that, you know, our, our strategies, you know, with the clients was to, you know, you don't want to reduce your Amazon, your sales to, you know, through Amazon, you want, you just want to increase your direct ones, but it's hard to keep up because the Amazon stuff is done. Yeah. Yeah. And you do, that's a great, the margins are way higher again in value, the margin, you know, the profit, <laughs> yeah. Right. So well, and again, we come back to another key issue when you're when you're selling any business, and and just like any business, selling an e-commerce business is no different. It's customer diversity. If you can, if someone looks to buy your business and a hundred percent of your revenue comes through Amazon, that is going to be valued less than a multi-channel company that say I'm selling on my own website, I'm selling on Amazon, and I'm selling on Walmart, and maybe I'm selling someplace on Wayfair. And I've got kind of even, even if it's close, you got it's kind of distributed evenly among four or five. That's worth a lot more because you don't because honestly, as a reseller on Amazon or, or any of those platforms, other than your website, a change tomorrow could put you out of business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, customer diversification, just like anything else, if you're all tied into one. Amazon, you know, in some cases kind of, and that's, it, it, it's another kind of strange oddity about the whole thing. They're not really a customer. They're really a partner. Yeah. But they are a customer at the end of the day. You can't li live with them or can't live without them. Yeah. yeah. And, well, they have the traffic and that's, and that's where a lot of people are attracted to it early in their, in their e-commerce journey, because they have, I, I can put my website up and I can try to get as much traffic as I can to that website and spend a lot of money on pay-per-click and work my butt off on SEO and SEO takes you a year or more to really start seeing results. Or I can list the same products on Amazon. I probably have traffic tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, um, values affected by customer diversification, yeah, you know, go talk to the banks. You know, um, if, if you're 80 or 90% of your business is you know, through Amazon, um, they're probably not going to lend you money. Uh, they're going to be worried about, again, it's just if something happens. Um, so, you know, the strategy, again, is diversify, diversify um, from day one. Yeah, take the Amazon, ride the train. But yeah. at the same time, invest significant resources in developing your own channels. A, diversifying yourself, and B, um, you're, you're going to have higher margin because just, yeah. you know, the company, look at the bottom line. you got two companies doing $2 million in revenue. One does it all through Amazon, and they look at the bottom line. And they're at an eight percent, you know, net income margin. You look at the other company that's doing it direct to customer and built their own. Yeah, it takes time. You know, easier said than done. But is at a 30 percent margin, net income yeah. margin. Which company's worth more? Exactly. exactly. A or B? Yeah. And B is worth more. B, B is, is worth more. And and as you're talking about this from the buyer's perspective, it's less risky. You're reducing risk in your own business. Uh, and and for anybody that comes into the business by being diverse in your customer base. And when we boil all this down, whether the bank will loan you money or not, or your buyer will buy your company or not, it's risk. It's it's it, the lower you can get the risk to come into that business, the better off you're going to be. You risk and and and, and I think about it size as well. Like I said, what's really interesting is in e-commerce, um, uh, 
you know, there is a, um, you know, there's a gulf of, there's no middle, there's small, there's small businesses, there's mega businesses, but there's no medium, you know, very, very, you know, yeah. it's hard to survive. Yeah. Um, medium sized company. Uh, you you kind of have to, you know, make the leap and take investor money and build it up so that you can ride it out. It takes a long time to build it up. And the thing about e-commerce is you constantly have to resell yourself. Uh, you're, you're, you know, every, you know, you, you, you're looking at sales per month, sales per quarter, and you're having to, you'd start from zero and have to do it all over again uh, the next quarter. Um, so it's, it's not a recurring revenue model uh, necessarily that way. It's, it's, it's pretty whimsical and it, um, you know, buyers are interesting, you know, it's the way they shop now and the way they look at things with the reviews, um, you know, and that's where diversification helps you because you go, you'll be up in some areas and down in others. Yeah, diversification of product. Because product if you've got one or two products and you're selling a million dollars worth of that one or two products, if if that goes out of favor for some reason, your your business is worth nothing again or or significantly reduced. Yeah. It, it's it's again, it comes back to that risk, like you said. It's the all around product mix and customer mix and and those are honestly the same things you look at any business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think there's um you know, the, and I think people too, uh, especially if they are have the financial wherewithal and got enough momentum going in their companies, they have to really think about acquisitions in that space, not as a as a matter of growth, but as a matter of survival. It'll add value to your company, but it'll help you survive also because what does it accomplish for you, right? There, these little uh, the little mom and pop companies can be bought. You know, they don't have a lot of value on their own merits. You know, if I looked at them just like they were any other business, um, it's a one product company. You know, maybe they're selling two or three products or something that, you know, a person invented. But, you know, um, you know, then you look at their margins and what they're making. They're barely making enough to pay themselves, uh, maybe less than a million. They have 800000 a year in sales. And if they're doing a 10 percent margin, which would be great, you know, that's eighty thousand dollars. And if they pay themselves sixty thousand dollars, <laughs> you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's a living. You could go get a job for that, you know, and yeah. you're working 10 times as hard running, you know, your product through. However, so those those companies don't value very well. You know, no one wants to come in and, and buy, you know, what are you going to spend to buy something that just clears you $80,000 a year? Yeah. Um, you know, and you don't have to do that. You can go get a job somewhere. Right. So you got to get above that threshold. Um, but, you know, there's opportunities to buy those kind of companies um, uh, because, you know, if you're a $15 million, $20 million company and they've got a, they got a million in revenue. Yeah. It's only $80,000 on its own, but tucked into your company, you're adding another product, another customer line base, um, you know, a little bit more diversification. It might be worth spending a little bit more money <laughs> than yeah. uh, you think, um, you know, anyways, th things to consider. And again, it's all about how these are how, the professional buyers evaluate companies, you know, so it's, it's, it's a little more art than science, but if there's synergistic or strategic reasons, yeah. but usually, you know, it's rare to see a small business owner or I'm, I'm talking a medium sized business owner is doing 20, $25 million a year to think like that. They're not thinking about yeah. going and acquire the company. Um, you know, they're just thinking about getting more sales and grinding out and organically growing their company like they have been. But if they can, you know, Think about that. Um, it, it can be done. Um, uh, yeah. you know, it's an untapped market because most of those, those companies are completely overlooked. No one, no one buys them. Yeah. Again, the value of a company, uh, there's a huge value on size. You, know, uh, you get a premium. The bigger the company, the more valuable it is. Um, mm -hmm. There is a, you know, it's a, a that, you know, a size premium it has to do with, you know, there's, there's less risk. You know, if you're a hundred million dollar company, you've been around for 10 or 15 years, um, that's going to be worth more than the $3 million company. That's only been around a couple years. You yeah. know, the staying power, it's got equity, you know, um, you know, size premium and, you know, they get higher multiples uh, for their businesses. So that's for sure. That's for sure. So when when so back to back to a couple things and we'll move on because I think we're going to cover a couple things about about some some diligence and and COVID and some other things. But you know, so when we look at value on these companies and and then correct me if I'm wrong, these aren't going to be an e-commerce company just because it's selling e-commerce is not going to have usually 
some crazy high multiple like you would hear in a tech startup or something like that. It's more traditional because it's got revenue and it's generating profits and those kind of things. Correct? Correct. Okay. Just want people to understand that because I, you know, we do get approached by people that have an e-commerce business and say, oh, my growth potential is so huge and I should get, you know, four times revenue or something like that, which is just simply not going to be the case. And, and it, no different than any other business, but, you know, um, you know, yeah. nobody goes into business without thinking they, you know, they're going to kill it. Right. And that's, you know, at this point, it, and everybody thinks they have potential and some, and some do, they actually do. Yeah. And it's just like any other business, e-commerce is no different. People buy businesses because of potential, but they don't pay for it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing we always say. We always tell people they, they will buy because of it, but they won't pay anything for it because it doesn't create any more value today. Yeah. Uh, but potential is a funny thing. And, you know, um, the more believable it is, the more value you can generate from it, too. So um, talking about potential is great, but really starting down the road and, and demonstrating uh, that you uh, that your potential is starting to get realized um, is, uh, it, you know, can yeah. unlock and, and, and buyers will pay for that. Uh, but they yeah. have to make them believe it. So, yeah. Yeah, Kenneth says it's all about the money, honey. Show me That's, the money. Show me yeah. the money. <laughs> it is. I mean, at the end of the day, and, and this is another thing for anyone selling a business, uh, uh, you've got to remember is that the buyer of your business needs to be able to pay the investment back and make a return on it. I mean, that's that's the long and the short of it. The time that they, you know, the time that they're going to take to pay that investment back off, that's that's their choosing. The return that's good for the, that they desire on that uh, investment is their choosing. So if you come in and you you have a million dollars in sales and you have a hundred thousand dollars in profit and you want somebody to pay you, you know, four million dollars for this thing, well, that's going to take you forty years to pay it back with no interest, right? And, and, and uh, so it's just you got to think about these things to be realistic on the value. I mean, that's 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 it's math. Yeah, it is math. It, there's a there is a common sense approach to it, you know, uh, because these are businesses and these aren't startup companies. These aren't tech. No, they aren't. They aren't yeah. you know, and, and people may come in and, and pay, you know, put money into those companies. Um, but it's not quite what you think. You, you're not really cashing out like before you get to an IPO. And, and 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 cash out at that level. A lot of other levels of finance happen in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and by the time you do, and, and even you know these these guys, even the ones that do, the very very few that actually do get to an IPO and cash out big and become billionaires overnight, um, they've already sold off a lot of that company before they got yeah. there. You know, so um, whether it's the angel investors, the, the venture capital companies, and there's a cost of that capital all the way through. All the way through. Yeah, and it's no it's no different. The cost of capital for the business owner who's doing under a million in revenue, um, you know, you can you, you can find out you're borrowing. Where do you get the money from to grow your business to start your business? Friends and family. There's a cost. There's a cost of that capital too. Yeah. Now the, the other thing is too. It's expensive. It's expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very expensive. That capital, the startup capital, the venture capital, any of that money is very expensive. And as as you're an, a business owner and you're you're going okay. How do I do this? That, that that cost of capital is significant. Yeah, um, it's something that you know the again for selling your company understand that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, you know get in and learn that most business owners really understand their craft and their trade and let that financial IQ and the cost of capital. Um, so, you know they come around eventually. The the, the the crow comes to roost because you know you. You, you go. You're in business for ten or fifteen years, and then you go. God, did I pay a lot for that yeah. <laughs> to get here? You know. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh, it's expensive, and it also can put you out of business really fast. That, that's for sure. Yeah. One of the things that that someone selling an e-commerce business might get surprised by when we start to go through it is. If, if you and I are in an e-commerce business and we decide, hey, we're going to start it, we're going to get into it, we're going to sell these products and say we're selling pet products and say we're selling a, spe a specific pet product. We're going to only sell dog leashes, right? 
the the buyers may yeah, ask them sell a company that sold dog leashes yeah, so. yeah i know we did that. so that's why that's why i think that it's easy but but you know the, a buyer is going to ask what is the market for dog leashes that you yeah. sell to and how well, big is it? yeah there you go um and that's you know understanding your market and your industry um the you know that's not e-commerce that's pet industry it is uh, it is. Industry, um, you know, in that particular instance, um, that was a great space to be in. It's, it, it is, it's one of the, um, it, it's, it's one of the most in all of e-commerce. It's one of the most active industries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, automotive parts, I think is number one, you know, yeah. in pet products, I don't know, might be two or three of all industries. And it, outdoor it, products are really strong now. People are buying dogs. They spend, you know, the, the the spend per capita on pet owners is is just continually gone up. We don't know where the ceiling is on that. Um, there's great opportunities. You know, people have jumped in, and e-commerce is a, a great way to be in business. Again, what what do you want to do to sell it? Um, okay, well, if you think about it that way, I don't think people, you know, they didn't get into selling dog leashes. They just had a, you know, uh, they had a, a dog that kept chewing and destroying their their dog, their leash, um, you know, their puppy. And, and then he'd go in his garage and he built one that he couldn't chew through. And then he said, everybody started asking him for him and he made some more for some of his friends. And then he started selling them out of his you know, garage. And next thing you know, he's three, 4 million a year in revenue on, on leashes. Yeah. So he's not thinking about, Hey, I'm selling this business. Uh, it, it did come he did. He, he finally, he kind of accidentally got there and was like, you know, I got something here that somebody might really want. But yeah, yeah. you know, but if you, if you get out the gate, you know, look at the buyers. You know, people who do buy companies up like that too, right? You know, who who the strategic buyers are the best buyers. You know, can you get in a position where it's complementary to them, right? Again, what does it do for them? Uh, understanding your avatar. Okay, I'm going to sell this to a medium-sized company. I want this because it's going to add you know, 3 million to their top line revenue and add another, you know, a hundred and, you know, maybe two or 300 more clients and, you know, um, diverse site. What's it do to their value by acquiring you, right? Yeah. And um, that's, and you, you know, there's, there, there are some different acronyms that you, that people hear when they do that, that if you start an e-commerce, you may not lose them, but you know, the long-term value of the customer, how much of that are they going to spend over the life of your, of their relationship with you? How the, the customer acquisition costs, how much it costs to get that customer in, because there's more than likely there's advertising spend that has to come to get that customer in. And those are some things that you you may not be familiar with because you did, like you said, you literally invented a product, built a business around it, and you're you're that business. You're not an e-commerce business, you're that business owner that that built a business. Yeah, you know, here's another area too. Um, let's think about it in kind of like territory development. You know, a lot of big uh, of the bigger medium companies, you know, they kind of own, um, you know, three or four states in the West, right? But if you if you can come in and you know kind of get control of your market in your state, um, that's territory expansion for them. They can be they can add a you know a, a state to their uh, their, 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 um, uh, their business model overnight. Right. Whereas, okay, I want to get into Idaho, for example. Um, and we did have a company that did this. It got sold to a player who was looking to expand into Idaho and they had a four year plan to expand into Idaho, hiring employees, putting yeah. in offices, you know, advertising. And, um, we came across our little deal and went, Oh, well, you guys have already been here for five or 10 years. Boom. Business was sold. Yeah. Right. Yeah. solving you know and, and what would you pay for that you know what's the cost of expanding for, work, for, yeah. for five years <laughs> so what's the value of the company who cares <laughs> yeah. you know they're profitable they're making money they own a territory uh yeah that those those kind of acquisitions are you know and you can build your company to be attractive to a player like that if you pay attention to your market and your competitors and everything else yeah, that's one of the things I think that if if someone's considering the sale of any business, they really need to think about that buyer. I mean, you, you hear it every day now in sales and marketing. You got to know your buyer, know your buyer, know your buyer. And that's yeah. no different when you're going to sell your company. You got to know who's buying it because it's as simple as the difference between if my company is, is going to be sold to an individual 
it has to look a certain way that an individual will like to buy it or or if my company is going to be sold to say a search fund that has you know a stable of a few ceos that they're going to back and put into companies that's a little different because i don't necessarily have to have a ceo or if i'm going to sell it to a private equity company that has that that wants to use it as a platform to add other companies into that better have a ceo executive team they can do a five-year plan and execute it yeah well let's let's talk about that a little bit too because that's extremely important too is is that um the 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 problem is you kind of built a lot of people build their companies up on their own style um they they've got their own way of running it their own way of checking in with things and stuff like that which is there's nothing wrong with that but there is a standard basic fundamental block and tackle management structures techniques in positions and it's recognizable i guess it's like accounting too you know and, and, and the financial yeah. part of it you do your books a certain way um if you're a small business you don't have to do them that way but when if you, you should set them up that way because if you do it different difference okay but if they walk in the door and don't recognize it um you know yeah. i can't you know if it doesn't fit with you know a lot of the reasons they the bigger companies don't buy the smaller companies is their cultures are different. It doesn't fit within our management structure, but they're running the company. You know, it's it's okay. It's 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 much more standard. We have our operations. We have our finance team. You know, we have, we have our leadership groups. We have a hierarchy. You know, people report to people. You know, all those things are there for a reason because um, it's recognizable. And you know, but if they if your company isn't set up that way, they can't plug that in. Then there's no deal to be made there. Or They've got to spend time converting you. And a lot of times they just will walk away because it's, yeah. you know, that could kill your company. You've built a culture on that. And, you know, if there's no real hierarchy structure, uh, people don't know where, you know, you know, what they're working towards and understanding, um, you know, basic fundamental recognizable business practices. Um, you know, yeah. if, if they don't see that they're, they, you know, then it's, you know, we don't know what to do with you because you make a great point because you can run an, a, a couple million dollar e-commerce company through a checkbook, really, because all the stuff that's handled by Amazon and all the stuff that's handled, if you were just doing a third party platform like that. But when you tried to sell that, you wouldn't get it done because there's no way to really to, you know, put a financial statement together and 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 really understand that. And and that that could be fine for the for the business owner today, but you can't turn that into value tomorrow. Well, it's true too, and then you're basing your value on your own. Uh, we can call that uh, bootstrapping, right? You know, you you you've got high margins because you do run your you run a bootstrap company. You're, you're doing a lot of the work yourself. You're not paying yourself. You're running out of your checkbook. You don't. You're not using payables. People. You're not using all the kind of familiar things that companies have in place. So you know, smart buyers and those kind of companies come in and go. I, I understand that. Um, you know, it's great. We are in the same business as you. You're making 40, 50 percent margin because you can. We can't do that. We can't knock yeah. your your style of, of managing and operating the business. We have to convert you to yours. Then if you do that, your your margins are going to go down because we're raising your expenses. They know that right away. They just say it's not a fit. I think is what the, the word they will call it is. Yeah, I'm sorry. We'll pass. This is just not a fit. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I get why it's not fit, right? But you know, yeah. uh, but they go in there and they see, yeah, you've got a number two in the company, you've got leadership teams, you've got, you know, you got people on on the sales, you got people on the sales and marketing team and a leadership team led by somebody there, and you've got operations group, you know, again led by, you know, you got leadership teams that you meet with them on a regular basis. They all know what to report out to. Um, they've showed, you know, consistent growth. They know what projections are. Uh, they do earnings meetings and stuff like that. That's what big, you know, bigger companies recognize. That's what I'm talking about when I say professional management. You know, um, and if like you said, you're make a deal. It doesn't have to be a huge team. I mean, you just have to have a handful, of, a handful of people that are covering the right bases, and and they're they have goals. They're they're you're measuring, you're talking about their goals, and 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 so that somebody coming in can say that, listen, we said we were going to sell five hundred thousand dollars last month, or a thousand million, whatever the number is, and and we did this, and mm-hmm. did we do good or bad? And did how did these people do that? I mean, that's that's it's as simple as it has to be. And then the financials to back it up because they're they're going to want to in their diligence process. They're going to want to follow the trail of a dollar to somebody bought a product 
to there's the cost of the product to there's where it went into the bank because the you know in 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 bigger deals they're going to do the quality of earnings yeah qov the quality of earnings where they're going to do that pretty pretty significant dive into that to make sure that they can substantiate the fact that you did sell 20 million dollars worth of stuff and we can see where the money came in through the channels and and went to the bank account or to pay for things yeah and in, in, in e-commerce um if you're a you know if you're a significant player in e-commerce we're talking about inventory um yeah and, and uh uh, good inventory, bad inventory, tracking, control of it. Um, all, all of that uh, adds value to your business. If you're on, if you have systems and processes in place, that you know what your inventory is and where it is. Yeah, yeah, it, it's hard work. It is, but you know what? You're not alone. Um, you don't, like I said, um, we've seen very, very successful people. They, they yeah. didn't have a background in technology. Neither did they do in, in operations or inventory control or management. You get the right people. Um, there's a lot of talent out there, uh, but you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta spend the money on that. Um, and, you know, uh, and make sure it gets done because your, your investment is significantly weakened. Um, if you don't have those processes, yeah. systems. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one, one of the things as we sit here and talk about this and I, and I, I've thought about before, but not like we are talking about it now is that these are really e-commerce is just a sales channel it's a way that you're selling these are more like the you know when you look at a lot a lot of these are import in, import businesses or they're manufacturing businesses and they could just as easily sell sell this mouse by people walking around and selling it door to door or selling it through radio you know the, sure. down well, the commerce is channels yeah right uh what are channels Sales channels. It's a function of sales. Yeah. And um, it, it's just, uh, uh, it's just multiple, it, you know, actually in successful e-commerce companies too, we're seeing companies that manage, are really good at managing channels. And that's, that's, that's the real, that's the real key to being successful there is it, it's, um, it also, and that's a, a lot of reasons that people stay in the mom and pop realm is it's not, you can do it. But you have to work those channels constantly. It's not easy. It's hard, hard ass work. And then you find out your channels dry up, and you got you're back to square one, or you got to shift over. Um, you know, and you're, you're you're constantly hammering away. You got to find out where that product moves. Yeah, um, and the good, the good, the good commerce companies, the valuable ones, are the, the ones who have built a a team of people and a, an organization that really is nimble and can work channels and understands them, um, you know, switch if needed, get new ones, you know, those kind of things again. Uh, but all that adds value to the company too. Selling your company is, you know, it's, it's, that's the people factor, right? So yeah. these aren't people necessarily, again, not there. Some of them, they have a variety of different backgrounds and see really different successful people. Um, uh, like I said, you don't have to be a computer engineer necessarily to do it. You just, you, yeah. you, you got to be creative and you, you have to be able to adapt, but that's just basic fundamental skills of having of good people. And it's right. If you have the right the key metrics in place. Each one of those channels, you should be measuring them to the gross margin line after fees and after returns and all that kind of stuff. And when you do that, you begin to go, you know, like, cause we've had clients that have had 12, 14 different channels they're selling through. Uh, and, and when you do that, you really need to understand each channel because one channel might be charging fees one way, one's charging that they are not, they could be, they are, they all charge fees differently. They all have different rates. They all have different strengths and weaknesses. So, you you know, you might be one of selling. If your product is great for one kind of product, might be good on a Home Depot channel, might be good on Amazon, but another one might be really good on Wayfair and good on uh, Rakuten or something yeah. like that. You yeah. know, it's just, there's so different. There's so many differences in these channels that, you know, it's, it is, like you said, it's that team, if they're nimble and they understand how to manage those channels, because within a channel, they change to the, the, the platform can, it can significantly change your, your uh, upside potential and your profitability just because it might highlight your product better or favor your, your method of, of shipping better, or just, there's so much stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I think we were going to touch a little bit on COVID, you know, and the effect yeah. it's, you know, on e-commerce. And I think there's, 
um, safe to say, I don't, do, I don't you know, have anything to back this up, but you know, um, a lot of e-commerce companies are prospering uh, during COVID. You know, everything's being done digitally, more ordering, more logistics. All those businesses are up uh, big time. Um, that's a great time to sell. You know, and the old adage is, you know, sell when you're doing well. That, yeah. That's a hard thing to do uh, for a business owner, um, and especially the ones who are heading towards retirement age. They, they usually want to sell when they want to sell when I'm done. You know, not when I'm doing well. If you want to get value for your company, and often that's that's a sad story because they're pretty disappointed when they get there um, and finding out it's worth. They're not going to get near as much as they thought they were. Um, you know, have an idea where you want to you want to go and get out, but build it. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, things get sold when all ships are rising. It's it's it, it's yeah. pretty obvious. But the real question is, you know, where is the top, right? <laughs> where. Yeah. You know, and no, no one ever knows, right? You know, no. you just you just have to make that decision. You know, just like when you're selling your stock, you know, sell high. You want to buy low and sell high. You know, if I if I double it, you know, I'm gonna get I'm gonna unload it. You got to have that kind of um, mercenary kind of yeah. uh, you know you know you know you don't you know that's that's a hard thing too because you put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in your business. So yeah, you're not you know it's not, it's not to let it go like that. There's more of an emotional factor involved in it too, but. Um, you know, uh, e-commerce is that's it's a perfect uh, space to do that because things go up really fast. That's <laughs> yeah, that's one. But uh, COVID has helped you know has helped a lot of these businesses. They've exploded. Has that made them more valuable? Nah, not necessarily. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, again, put yourself in the buyer's position. You're walking in. Um, you know, uh, yeah, you you. You guys have grown. Should I pay top dollar for that? Is it going to last? You know, COVID's not going to be around forever. What's it going to be like when things go back to normal? You know, uh, again, you, you create the value in a company just like anything else. You have to have, you know, a you have to have a really clearly identified strategy, and you have to have a track record. If you want to get potential, you got to start showing it. But you got to address the risk, and the risk is COVID's not going to be here forever, and then. You know, um, and then what are you doing? You know, to to if, if you jump from five billion in a year in sales to twenty million in the last year, you know, what are you going to do to maintain that? You know, I'll grow it. I grow it because honestly, if it's going to fall back to ten million, the, 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 it's too risky for somebody to buy. It, it's it it yeah, it isn't going to happen that way. So you really better if, if the COVID bumped you up, you know, three times. You better be figuring out how how next in 2021 and 2022 you're going to grow beyond that. Yeah, and, and and conversely, we've had businesses have been affected by COVID negatively too. Yes. Um, but you know, again, uh, again, this is where we're different. Rather than just working on the deal, we work on the company because you know, uh, you know, if they've been a good company, you know, again, COVID. This is a temporary blip. How does that affect your valuation? Well, you know, um, yeah, right today you're. you're 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 low, but um, you know there's absolutely no reason you know people will be going back. You you your customers will rebound. You'll be you know it's a matter of when. And um, you know so as far as valuation goes, not that much effect on it. So you you know you could probably sell your company still even if you um, even if you have a down year because of COVID. Because the buyer's going to come in again and go, yeah yeah that's fine. I'm you know you've already been through the worst of it, and I, I can pick up your company here. There was a, a definite drop. That's the thing that we've seen in some of our well, There's a definite drop. It hits, then and the sales have come back, and and some have come back to, to near normal. And that's yeah. Where I think the exit your way is to start showing, you know, that potential, right? So if it's coming back, um, it's just a matter of making the buyers feel comfortable with the risk. That a your strategy is accounted for. It you have enough cash, um, you know, you're you're not cutting bone, and you're hiring the right people because the future, you know. Pick it up, and then when you start to see the actual results rolling in, it doesn't take long, you yeah. know. And um, you know, if it, it, it's it's momentum, you know. And 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 it was when the buyers start to see a company that has built a company that understands how to keep momentum going. That's that's, that's how you. That's what they want. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been good, Andrew. I think we covered the, you know, the things that I was thinking about. Then, you know, basically, you talk about value. That's the biggest thing that, that people are concerned with when they're selling them, and then how to get them sold. And and you know, it's really the risk management, making sure you don't have all your eggs in one basket, whether it's products, whether it's platforms, and and making sure that you you got your your back end of your house in order so you can show them 
that it's actually a viable business and and you can prove it out. Yeah. 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 Proofs in the pudding. That's um, for sure. Well, yeah. thanks a lot, everyone, for joining us today. Thanks, Andrew. You know, again, talking about selling an e-commerce business. If anybody has any questions, they can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or Andrew on LinkedIn or email us directly. Just get on our exityourway.us website and uh, we'll we'll get back to you with your questions. Uh, but it was wonderful talking with you today. And we will be back again next week with some other great guests. Right. Thank you.